Turn to 2 Corinthians, please, this evening, chapter 3. 2 Corinthians, chapter 3. This is our week of increase, and we've called this all a week uh, vision of increase, what we've been ministering on. And we saw this from the first night in 2 Corinthians, chapter 3. This whole chapter, he was talking about the glory that God manifested in the first covenant, you know, when he spoke out of the fire on the mountain and gave the Ten Commandments, wrote them in stone with his finger, and Moses was there in the glory with him 40 days and nights. It was glorious. The fire, the light, the sound of the voice of God, Moses in the glory, his skin was permeated by the glory. He was so caught up in the presence of God, he didn't need to eat or drink. For 40 days and nights. Now friend that's where you and I are going to live for eternity. In that. The Bible talks about in heaven there's no need of sun. And moon and stars. Because the lamb is the light. We're going to live in the light of his glory. You won't have to flip light switches. You won't want to wear sunglasses. Because the more of this light you can get, the better off you are. And it permeated his skin and his body, and so his face is shining. I mean, like a light. And they asked him to cover it up because it was unnerving everybody. And the Bible goes on to say in this chapter that that glory doesn't even compare to the glory of our covenant. And yet that's not real to so many folk. A lot of people would very much like to go back to hear God speak out of the fire and see Moses' face. And yet the Bible tells us we got a better covenant and a more glorious testament. Verse uh, 10, even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excels. If that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remains is glorious. And he goes on talking about this glory. And verse 17 he says, now the Lord is that spirit. Did he change subjects? No. Who is the glory of God? When you say the glory of God was manifested, who was that? That's the Holy Spirit. The power of God is manifested. That's the Holy Spirit. The Lord is that Spirit. What Spirit? That Spirit of glory. The Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the Spirit of glory is manifested, what happens? People get free. I said people get free. When the Spirit, should we desire the Spirit of God to be in manifestation? Oh, the Bible said we should covet earnestly. Now, normally in the Bible, when you see the word covet, it's bad. Stay away from it. But here is an exception. How many remember, you know, the Spirit of God writing through Paul to the saints at Corinth told them to covet and us to covet earnestly. What? 
What was he talking about? He was talking about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Word of wisdom. Do you covet it earnestly? Not enough. Uh Uh-uh. As a general thing, well, you know this, the majority of churches in this country don't even believe in the gifts of the Spirit. So they sure ain't coveting them earnestly. Don't even believe in them. They've explained them away. They said, well, the word of wisdom is when you go to college and get a degree. And you get wisdom and gifts of healing. Of course, that's our doctors and our nurses. And and the word of knowledge, of course, that's, again, education. And you get smart. Uh, Diverse kinds of tongues is these linguists that learn different languages. And and working the miracles. Oh, uh, No, they're either all supernatural or they're all not supernatural. And they are all supernatural. All of them. Word of knowledge has got nothing to do with going to school. Gifts of healings is not about doctors. Thank God for doctors. But this is not about doctors. Different kind of tongues got nothing to do with learning another language. Nope. They're all supernatural. And he told us to covet them. Somebody say covet. Covet. Didn't you say covet? Covet them earnestly. What does that mean? It means instead of thinking about that car night and day. (laughs) Or that ring. You got to have that ring. You're thinking about that house. You want that house. When you covet something, you think about it all the time. And we're not supposed to be coveting stuff or somebody else's spouse. How many understand people get obsessed with things or people or money or stuff and they covet it. And they covet it earnestly. What does that mean? They think they can't live without it. They got to have it. They got to have it. That's why people do stupid stuff. They go sign their life away for 950 easy payments. And all the time the Lord was saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But they just ignored it. Why? Got to have it. Got to have it. I got to have this. This car is talking to me. It's calling my name. It said, take me home. It said, Keith, me and you's friends. Let's go home. Take me home. Take me home. That ring is talking to me. That house is talking to me. Coveting. When you think about it night and day. Think you got to have it no matter what. Got to have it. Got to have it. I'm going to have it. We're not supposed to covet things and people. We are supposed to covet the manifestation of the spirit of glory. Are y'all with me now? How many can see real quickly, as a general thing with most folks, we haven't been hungry enough for this at all. No, no, we've been far too content to do without it. But I believe I'm talking to some folk that's getting stirred up. I know I've been getting stirred up the last several months, especially myself. And Faith Life Church is here tonight. You get ready. You're going to hear more about this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How do you become covetous about something? 
you know, I, I'm a guy. Been a guy all my life. <laughs> Thank God. And I like, uh, I'm a motorhead in some respects. I, I like powerful stuff. I like cars that are powerful and motorbikes and anything that's fast and makes a lot of noise. Boy, I'm all for it. <laughs> and there have been times in the past that I coveted a car. I wanted it bad. I remember as a teenage boy, I wanted a motorcycle so bad. I mean, other guys had girls pictures on their wall. I had a motorcycle. I remember that. It was a guy on a bike with his hair flying in the wind. I thought, I'd lay there and look at that for hours thinking, oh man, yeah. Now that, I'd look at the metal flake paint and the chrome and I liked every piece of the chain, the leather button on the seat. But how many know just because you walk past it doesn't mean you coveted it? How does it get to that point where you covet it? You go on in and get a brochure. (laughs) Anybody know what I'm talking about? Nowadays, you go online and look at all the pictures. Now they got video, man. They got, oh, yeah. And then you print out the sheets. The spec sheets. You might know what I'm talking about. And you read them. And then you read them again. And then you read them again. And then you read them again. And you read them again. And you read them while you're eating your sandwich. And you read them while you're drinking your coffee. And you get home and oh, there's a commercial. Oh, man. And you look at that commercial. And if you can, you tape it. How do desires get stronger? By feeding them. When you feed a desire, it gets stronger. When you starve a desire, it gets weaker. And anybody, you, me, whoever it is, that has wrong desires, that's tormented by desires for somebody sexually that you're not supposed to have, desires for... You know, alcohol and drugs and desire, whatever it is that's wrong and you're tormented, you just think about it all the time, night and day. You didn't get that way overnight and you didn't get that way by accident. You have fed that until it's gotten to this place. And the good news is you can starve it and it'll start getting weaker. And even though all you could think about night and day with sex, 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 if you'll starve it and quit watching that stuff and quit listening to that stuff and quit reading that stuff, oh, it may not change just in a day, but little by little, it'll get weaker. And it'll get weaker, and then you'll catch yourself, you've gone several hours and didn't think about it. And then you'll see you've gone half a day and didn't think about it. And then you'll see you've gone two or three days and didn't even think about it. What's happening? You're getting free. It's bondage to desire something that you can't have or you're not supposed to have night and day. That's torment. Why do that to yourself? Selah.
People are fools to do it to you. Don't do it. Starve the bad desires. Feed the good desires. Some people think we're nuts. Why in the world would you come sit in church on a Friday night? And the weather's good and you just got paid. And you're in church. And they sure can't understand you wanting to be in church. You're not just in church. You want to be in church. You drove four hours to get here. And gas is high as it is. And you don't want it to be over as quick as it can be. You want to hear the word. And you want to hear some more. How would you get that way? Because that's different than most folks. How would you get that way? I know how I got that way. Feeding that desire. And it grew in me. And grew in me. And sometimes people think you're lying. But this is what I want to do. I want to go to church. I want to be in good meetings. I want to be in the presence of God. I want to hear the word of God. I want to praise God. I want to give all my money to God. A lot of folks don't believe it. They think, oh, that's no, you don't. You're just saying it. No, we really do. We're really like this. It's not a show. <laughs> we want to pray in tongues. We want to give glory to God and shout and worship. We want to. We want to. We desire to. And friends, if we'll feed it, it'll get stronger and stronger. And if we'll feed it for the gifts of the Spirit... It'll get strong. What do you think will happen? We get so hungry, we get up in the morning thinking about word of knowledge and word of wisdom. And we go to bed thinking about gifts of healings and working the miracles. I mean, you know, like other people are longing for a car or a house, we're longing for discerning the spirits and tongues and interpretation. What do you think's going to happen? A bunch of us get to doing that all through the week when we come together. You're going to see manifestations of these things and you're going to see it all through the week at your house, at your dinner table, on the job. And friend, this is what sets people free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is and He's manifesting in this glory. And how many understand when God speaks to you a word of knowledge? No way you could have known. A word of wisdom that reveals his plan and his purposes from eternity past to future. And you begin to see his plan for your life. You see what's wrong and how to deal with it. Power is manifested to change bodies even though people were given up to die. Is that glorious? Is that glorious? Do you desire it? Somebody say, I desire it. Say it out loud, I'm willing willing to become more hungry. hungry. Lord, work in me me to will will and to do do of all your good pleasure. pleasure. I'm hungry. hungry. I'm willing willing to become hungrier. hungrier. I desire you. I'm hungry for you. you. I I covet earnestly the manifestations Of your spirit. Of your your glory. glory. Hallelujah. What happened when Moses did this? He'd seen some things. He'd been in some things. He'd seen some miracles and power. And yet you can tell it just kind of burst out of him one day. He said, God, 
Show me your glory. Show me your glory. And what did God say? I'll show you all you can take, boy. (laughs) If you saw the whole thing, you'd be out of here. No man can see my face and live, but I'm going to show you all you can take. And he did. Don't you think Moses was different the rest of his life after what he saw that day? And listen to this. This is wonderful. The Lord said, I will show you my goodness. I will show you. He asked to see his glory. He said, I'll show you my goodness. Go with me to John 5, please. How, we've talked about this in previous nights, is it God's will for us to enlarge and increase? Yes, it is. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children, the Bible said. He's the God of increase. 1 Corinthians 3 says. So it's not God's will for you to go backwards or lose ground or diminish, become smaller or less. What does the word increase mean? To become greater. In size and quality and quantity and every other way. To become greater. It's not God's will for you to become lesser or to just stay where we are. Say it out loud. It's God's will. For me to become greater greater. in every area. area. That's God's will. Isn't it? And we look specifically, how does he do that? How does it begin in us? It begins not outside, but inside. John 5, we saw this. This is how Jesus ministered. This is how he operated. John 5, 19 Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loves the Son, and this love is manifested in him showing him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Before you can do something in God, in the plan of God, the things of God, you have to see it. And before you do a greater work, you have to see it. Don't you? You have to see it. And so many times when he's saying, whatever I see the Father do, He, no doubt, is seeing the Father do it through him. So you could say it like this. He saw himself do it. But why didn't he say it that way? Because it wasn't really him doing it. He said it the right way. It was the Father in him doing the works. But God moves through people. He uses people. He manifests through people. In 1 Corinthians uh, 12, don't turn there, but we're talking about the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit, and a lot of folk refer to that 12th chapter as the chapter on the gifts of the Spirit, but really, if you look at it, most of the chapter is about the body of Christ. But that's not a separation of thought, because the gifts, the manifestations come through the body. 
And so when God is doing things in the earth, he's going to be doing it through us, through his church all over the planet. But before it happens, somebody will see it. How many know the Bible said God doesn't do anything except first he reveals his secret to his prophets? Well, see, that principle works throughout the whole body of Christ. Nothing happens except God shows somebody first. And somebody sees it first. But then when you see it, you can do it. Because the power to do it and walk it out is in the vision, in the words that produce the vision. Can you say amen? But if we understand that, we ought to get interested in seeing. And we've been believing all week, those that have been with us, to see. And we have seen some things. How many can testify that you've been seeing some things? You've been, some things have been stirring in you. You don't have to fall into a trance. You don't have to have an open vision. But you've been seeing some things inside you. How does this vision come? We went over this some. We're going to go further with it tonight. How does he show us these things? We see him doing things through his word. While you read the word, these words are living. And living vision come. How many can raise your hand and say you've seen some things when you were reading the word? Also, we see things by his spirit. Not necessarily the written word. It will always be in line with the written word. But everything you need to do in life is not necessarily in a verse. John Smith moved to Phoenix. Work at this company. Live in this neighborhood. That might be tough to find. (laughs) Exactly in the scripture. But the spirit of God will direct you. Just that specifically. And in a time of prayer waiting on God, you can see yourself moving there. You can see you these things working out. You can get confidence in your heart. And so by his spirit, we see. Said out loud, by his word, we see. And by his spirit, we see. But here's another area that God, it's a different way of saying the same thing, and yet it's expansion. Go to Philippians, please. The fourth chapter, the Lord ministers to us vision through his word and through and by his spirit. And look at this, Philippians, the fourth chapter and nine, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and what seen in me, what? Do. Do what? Do what you learned and received in me. And what you heard and saw in me. Me who? Paul. Where did they see it? They saw it in him. They saw it through him. They saw They heard what he preached and taught, and they received it and learned, but they also saw what he did. Didn't they? Vision from God comes to us through his holy word, through his Holy Spirit, and through his holy people. 
his people, you, me, we are his body. His spirit, his glory manifests through his body. How many of you realize and would confess that so many things you're doing today, you saw somebody else do it? You saw God. Well, what's a better way to say it? You saw God do it, but he did it through them. But as you were watching God do it through them, or as we'd say, watching them do it, it came to maybe in the beginning you just saw God in them. But there came a time when God began to get your attention about you doing it. Are y'all with me? And then what happened is you saw God do it in you before it ever happened. Read it out loud again. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. Do. And the God of peace will be with you. What? To help you to do it. To enable you to do it. But how did you see it? wasn't a vision. You didn't fall into a trance. It wasn't just when you were reading the Bible. It wasn't just when you were praying in tongues. When did you see it? You saw it in people. God's people. Your brothers. Your sisters. Your leaders. Your fathers and mothers in the faith. Your pastors. People God hooked you up with. And he did it for that reason. Mm-mm-mm-mm. The people, think back over your own life. I'm going to share a little bit about mine because I know about mine. But think about your own life while I'm talking about this. People that God put in your life, hooked you up with. And you had never even thought about that until you got with them. And at first you were just amazed at them. And amazed that it happened with them. But then after a matter of months or years, it's happening with you. (laughs) Glory to God. And it could never have happened with you unless you had seen God do it. But you saw him do it in them. And that's what was the catalyst for you seeing him doing it. In you. How many remember the apostles? Jesus has gone to the cross. He's been raised from the dead. He's ascended up on high. And here they are. Grabbing a man lame from his mother's womb up. And commanded him to be healed. And he was. Peter's shadow falls on people. And they get up and walk away healed. Amazing thing. They're commanding people. Rise and walk. Sounds just like Jesus. Doesn't it? Rise, take up your bed and go home. Exactly what he used to say when they walked with him. And when they got him in front of the council, the people that are mad at him and upset with him, it says they took note that they had been with Jesus. (laughs) One translation says that they had been Jesus' companions. Another one said they had benefited. From being with him. I guess. 
Now we know. Well, so that, that's what I'd like. I'd like to be with Jesus. If I could hang with Jesus. Jesus is in these people all around you tonight. In front of you, behind you, in me, in you. The spirit of God and of glory and of Jesus is in every one of us. Some people have walked with him longer than others. And some have learned things about him that others have not yet to learn. And it's not his will to keep it secret and hidden. It's his will to connect. Body part to body part to body part. What, what happens when body parts are wrist and, and hand are connected? Well, man, they see each other all the time. Night and day, they are there 24-7. And there's supposed to be a supply of the spirit flowing from the head through other body parts. You see this? What's making that hand do that? It's my head. But get this part. It is not wireless. (laughs) This thing is hardwired. Isn't it? They're called nerves. And the signal did not come from the head through the air. To the hand. It came through the neck and the shoulder and the upper arm and the elbow and the forearm and the wrist. It came through other body parts. And so much of what you and I are going to get from the head is going to come through other body parts, particularly the ones he joined us to. And connected us to. And that's why the devil fights so hard to divide us. And I think that's one of the big reasons why the New Testament commandment is that we love each other. And that is not based on feelings. Why? Because without it, we'll be divided, we'll be severed, and we'll never Receive all we were supposed to receive and see all we were supposed to see and never become and do what we were supposed to do. The body of Christ splintered and in strife will never be the glorious church. The devil knows that. We all need God. But we all need each other. God has set it up that way. First Corinthians talks about that. He has ordained it that way so that we would have care for each other. He could have done it differently. But see, you've got a lot of folks that try to play Lone Ranger. All I need, me and my Bible. I don't know what people have tried. You know, they find out I'm a pastor. They find out I'm a minister. we got a church. And they start explaining. You know, they don't go to church. I didn't even ask them. They just start explaining. Well, you know, I don't usually go to church. You know, I just... Uh, I enjoy being with God in nature. And Okay. Why can't you meet together with believers once in a while though? And what people are saying is I don't feel the need. I can be just as good a Christian as you or anybody else at my house by myself or out in the woods praying to God. Because the main thing is just you and God. Your relationship with God. Well, no. You're wrong. God has ordained. That we be interconnected. And he told us do not 
forsake the assembling of yourselves together like the manner of some is. You need to come together, stir each other up, provoke each other, minister to each other, receive from each other. God had ordained that a lot of what we're supposed to get, He's going to give us, but not direct. He's ordained to give it to you through another body part. And when you launch out here and go, yeah, but I want it direct from you. I want it wireless. I'm a modern multitasking Christian and I want it. Just me and you. A direct link. We want a link. You know, I want to leave all these other people out because, you know, I don't like, I'm not comfortable around all those people. I, just me and you, God. Well, I'm sorry, but he's not going to change for you. You can try that, but what will happen is you'll bump through your life year after year and stay a baby. And you will not be seeing all the things that God intends for you to be seeing, so you won't be doing them and you won't be increasing and you won't be advancing. Said out loud, we do need God, but we need each other. He's ordained it that way. And the good news is we have God and we have each other and we don't have to pick. Well, I want them. And well, if they're in God, you got them. I want to be a part of that group, but I'd like to be a part of that group too. Why do you got to pick? Why do you have to choose? Go to 1 Corinthians 3, and also we, uh, how many maturing Christians do I have in here? Let me see, can you take something that you would actually have to chew a little bit? Huh? How many think you could take something that you, even if you have to chew a little bit? Let's examine that a little bit. How many know what I'm talking about? The Bible says strong meat belongs to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised, and babies just milk. You don't feed a T-bone to a baby. You choke him. But how many know you shouldn't just drink milk all your life? Here you're 70 years old and all you have is bottles. That's it. Just bottles. Don't give me anything else. Milk. Milk. Think about it. Milk, you can just swallow whole instantly. Can't you? You can take a big gulp of milk. You, I mean, you can just, you don't even have to swish it around in your mouth. You just pour it in and swallow it. You know, it can go straight in, straight out. But steak, steak you cannot swallow instantly unless you want to choke. What does that mean? You got to chew it. And you know this uh, jungle grass-fed steak, you may have to chew for a while. Right? (laughs) I see some people nodding like they've had some. I've had some. You know, that cow climbed hills and <laughs> ran from tigers and stuff. I mean, this is a wiry cow. <laughs> and you don't just chew that steak twice and swallow it. I mean, you better chew some more. <laughs> you need some good teeth. But <laughs> you have to chew it and you don't swallow it instantly. Do you, anybody know what I'm talking about? He's just talking about jungle cows. No, listen. (laughs) No, not jungle cows. 
When you hear the milk of the word, what can you do with it? Just receive it all. Great. Yep, yep. What about strong meat? You got to chew on it. Do you see this? That'll be something you'll have to chew on. And so you shouldn't be upset if you don't just swallow the whole thing in the next three minutes. You, Right? You go home and later on tonight you're laying in your bed going. <laughs> Day after tomorrow you're driving in your car and it comes back up and you go, oh. <laughs> First Corinthians 3, did you find it? You hear people talking about how different things are today than they used to be. And that's true with things that are not important. It is not true in significant things. You hear a lot of people making excuses for their kids and youth. And you hear them saying, you know, we never had to deal with all the stuff they're having to deal with. That just simply is not true. Just because somebody said it behind the pulpit doesn't make it true. And anything that excuses your life of sin and disobedience is wrong. Nobody has to sin. Ever. Nobody has to. And uh, human nature has always been the same. The nature of temptation has always been the same. The devil's always operated the same. And God has always been the Savior. And the Redeemer and the help and the grace. Watch about talking that kind of stuff. Because it's just making excuses for people to continue in sin and rebellion. We either have a complete redemption or we don't. And it's just as complete in 2007 as it was in 1957. Or in 1907. Right? Well, that went over real big, didn't it? It's true anyway. Don't make excuses. The important things are the same. They haven't changed. And this is something that was going on from the very beginnings of the church. 1 Corinthians 3, are you there? Actually, the first chapter he starts off with, then he elaborates in the third chapter. Go back to chapter 1, verse 12. Chapter 1, verse 12, verse 11, he said, It's been declared to me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Contentions. Now this I say that every one of you is saying, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, and another bunch say, well, we're not of any of them, we're just of the Lord. That bunch was just as carnal as the rest of them. The bunch that says, we have only the Lord, we don't mess with all them, just as carnal as the others groups that divide and choose, choose groups. The third chapter, verse 1. I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto up till now you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For you are yet carnal. Now, why is he saying they're carnal? For, this is how we know they're carnal, for there's among you envyings, strife, divisions. Somebody say divisions. Divisions. Now, not just division of fighting, divisions of groups. Do you see it? They were already 
The church hadn't been around very long, but they're already breaking up into the first church of Paul, the first church of Apollos, huh? The assembly of Cephas, <laughs> and the church of Christ. Whatever group, names have changed. We got a name on the front of our place. But the problem is when you choose one over the others. I'm not coming down on denominations. I'm not coming down on people that have joined together. What the scripture does speak against is isolation. And choosing one to the exclusion of another. Are y'all with me? He said, you're carnal. Because of these strifes, divisions. He said, one says, I'm of Paul. Another, I'm of Apollos. Are you not carnal? What about when we say we're word of faith? Why the moniker? Why do we need the label to tell the difference from the others? And a lot of folks say it proudly. We're full gospel. As opposed to what? Well, even though you didn't say it, you just call the rest of the folk part gospel. Well, if that's what they are, it's what they are. Bless God, we're full gospel. So, a guy came and got in Brother Kenneth Copeland's face one time. Just He said, you're not preaching the whole counsel of God. He thought for a minute and he said, you're right. He said, I don't know the whole counsel of God. <laughs> as soon as I learned the rest of it, he said, I'll preach it though. <laughs> There's nobody that knows the whole counsel of God. So when you're talking about we're full gospel. <laughs> nah, you know in part. Which means there's a lot of parts. You don't know. And so in that sense, you ain't full. You're just part. And all a man or woman can do is believe the part they know. And preach the part they know. Live the part they know. All a man or woman can do is walk in the light you have. But the thing the enemy tries to do through this ignorance and through these differences is get us to isolate ourselves from other brothers and sisters because we're different. Well, they do their service like this, and we don't do ours like that, and they don't believe in that. And Boy, that's important to us. And, and, but what people don't realize is by cutting ourselves off from each other, we have removed from ourselves a supply of the Spirit and a seeing that is enabling. And this is particularly true about the people that God brings into your life. The enemy, he didn't know everything, but he's been around a long time. And he is a spirit being and he can see some things in the spirit as they're starting to happen. I mean, he's, he's certainly no equal opposite to God. Don't, no, no, he's a defeated foe. 
But he's been around a long time and he sees some things and he's already seen some other things God has done when he put people together and he brought this vision out and he brought somebody from this all the way up to this through this seeing and this power. And so he immediately tries to get in between these connections. He sees it coming. And especially when the fruit of it starts manifesting That's when he gets and starts trying to whisper and starts trying to get people to jump to conclusions and feeding them this and feeding them that. Why? To get them away from each other. And friend, if we allow that to happen, we have cut off from ourselves a supply of the Spirit and we can pray and we can fast for 40 days and we can pray night and day and try to get God to just give it to us anyway, directly, wirelessly. And it's not going to happen because he ordained that that part of him come through them. And it's why the commandment, not suggestion, commandment to love each other, which includes forgiving each other, being patient with each other, believing in each other, whatever it takes to stay hooked. If you don't stay hooked, you're not going to see. And the increase is not going to come. Like it's supposed to. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Go to Galatians. Well. Second Corinthians 6. I'm thinking back over people that God has put in my life just in the past. Oh. 30 years especially. You know. God has given through me. A number of songs, hundreds of songs. We get testimonies all the time about people got healed as they listened to them, delivered. And one of the things that blessed me so much is uh, children. I never thought about all the children that have been. I get letters and scribble from little ones that I used to have nightmares. And since I listened to the peace of God, I don't have nightmares anymore. And I thought, glory to God, boy, that was worth every sweat late at night in the studio wasn't it I mean the Lord told me on some of our healing projects the last couple he said people will be healed while they listen to this even people who don't believe in healing will be healed while they hear these things and boy we prayed in the spirit and we believed God everybody in there was a believer and anointed and spirit filled and the Lord helped us and we've heard testimonies that very thing somebody heard somebody in a hospital room playing and it wafted across the hall into their room and they got healed they didn't even believe in it before that we've heard these kind of things over and over again these songs have been a blessing it's something that increased in my life not a hundred fold I don't know how many fold ten thousand fold I don't know but I'll never forget first time I ever heard a spiritual song Buddy Harrison Brother Hagin's son-in-law his daughter Pat's a husband who's in heaven now. But Buddy Harrison, man full of joy, full of life. How many ever heard him minister and sing? Yeah. Heard him get up in a service one time and take off by faith. Sing a song that he'd never heard or never sung. <laughs> Saw him get excited and dance and run, sing some more. And and I sat there mesmerized. I thought, glory to God. And as he was doing that, I got so stirred. 
Everybody listen to me. Am I seeing something? I'm seeing something. I'm see- I had always had an ear for music, no training, but an ear for what worked. But I was not able to do that. I'd not done that. I didn't know anything about that. Singing a song and you don't know the words. Singing a song and you don't know how it goes. Singing a new song. And I saw him get up and do it boldly. And it was good. And the Spirit of the Lord was manifest. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is. I saw people get free. People get free through the anointing that removes the burden and destroys the yoke. And it didn't happen overnight. But as months went by, I saw him do it some more. I saw some other people do it. But I began to see me do it. (laughs) Glory to God. First it was just a little chorus. Then it was more, then it was more, then it was more, until after years of that, Brother Hagin had called me up at the end of a service, and, and I'd sit down at the piano, and I'd even know where I'm going to put my fingers. And a whole song would come, and people would be blessed and delivered. I could never have done that unless I had, come on, are you with me now, seen Someone said, well, you saw Brother Buddy do it. No, I saw God do it. Oh, do you hear this? I saw God do it. And he did it through Brother Buddy. And God wanted to show me that. I'm sure God wanted to show me that from before I was born. But he didn't catch me up in a vision to heaven. He didn't have an angel come and try to explain it to me. He showed me through my brother and my elder. Can you say amen? amen? How's God going to show you a lot of things? Same way. Through your elders. Through your brothers. Through your fathers and mothers in the faith. And not just in spiritual things. In all things. Because even material things come into pass. It's spiritual in origin. And nature. I remember. I don't know how many years ago now. But Brother Copeland. Inviting me to minister at his ministry. And we were so green. It was through Brother Kenneth and Gloria Copeland's ministry. That we found out about Kenneth Hagin's ministry. And eventually wound up there. By the plan and will of God. But he was so gracious to us. And she and always have been. And I was so green. And we were so broke. And they asked us to come minister. And he and her, whom we grew up on, would sit there in the front row with a Bible and a notepad and take notes while I'm preaching. And I thought, glory to God. (laughs) And it helped me to see why they are who they are. And why God has been able to use them like he has. They never quit learning. They're teachable. They don't care who God uses. They can hear. They're willing to see God in anybody. Oh, did you get this now? They're open to seeing him in anybody. Through anybody. And he knew. He spoke some things over me that I won't go into. But he knew God was taking me somewhere in some things. And he took me out to his hangar. Lovely airplane sitting in there. I grew up in the country. I didn't know anybody had an airplane. Had an airplane? The airlines have airplanes. And he said, Keith, get up in here with me. 
I got up. He said, sit down there. I thought, man, this is nice. Sit there in the driver's seat. Oh, the driver's seat. Said, yes, sir. Ooh, ain't them a lot of pretty dolls on there. Whew, wonder what all that means. He said, he said, sit up in here and make airplane noises. <laughs> What's he trying to do? Now, see, not necessarily everybody should have a bunch of airplanes, but that was part of God's plan for our life. And he, by the Spirit, he perceived that. And, but there's something everybody needs. That at the time seems huge. I mean, when he's talking to me about this, I couldn't fathom buying a part for this thing. Much less owning it. I couldn't imagine putting gas in it. You know what I mean? I'm leaving God for my pickup gas. Come on. Do y'all know I'm not just telling stories here? Before you're ever going to do bigger and greater than where you are, what has to happen first? You got to see God do it in you. And you're going to see him do it in his word. You're going to see him do it by his spirit. Oh, but if you'll let him, he's going to show you up close and personal in your brothers and sisters. And that wasn't the first time. I'd come back maybe the next year or six months later we're doing something. He'd take time with me. Go down. He said, come with me down to the hangar. Walk around. Put your hand on this plane. What's going on? It took years. Eventually, I saw what God was trying to get across to me. And I thought, oh, God, I don't need an airplane. I had people come up to me and say, I'm going to believe with you for an airplane. I said, don't. I don't want one. No. <laughs> Can you imagine me saying that? I did. I said, no, no, I'm not believing for an airplane. Because I'd heard of other people got them, and they were just a burden to them. And. And I thought, oh, no, I don't need an airplane. And, and uh, eventually the Lord got a hold of me. He said, son, you think these things are luxuries. He said, you're going to have to have it to do what I'm calling you to do. You won't be able to do everything without having this kind of tool. I didn't know where we'd be today even way back then. But he knew. And so I began to try to cooperate with him a little bit better. And actively now, I'm trying to see. I'd close my eyes and try to see me and Phyllis in an airplane. And uh, there's the airplane. Oh, yeah, it's taken off. And there's, that's Brother Kenneth. <laughs> and Miss Gloria in the back. And I couldn't see me in it for years. All I could hear is money, how much it was. Right, and all that, and I thought, man, I, ooh, I don't know. Did you find that scripture I talked to you about? <laughs> Second Corinthians 6. Did you? Did you forget about it? Second Corinthians 6. He said to them, verse 11, 2 Corinthians 6, 11, Oh, you Corinthians, our mouth is open to you. Our heart is what? Enlarged. Enlarged. You are not straightened or restricted in us, but you are restricted in your own bowels, in your own insides. Can you be narrowed and restricted in your own insides? Now keep reading though. Now for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children. Do what? Where? Be enlarged where? Where? 
Well, you got to go back to the previous verse. To your restricted insides. And what he's saying, and this has broad application, he's saying, you're not restricted your place in my heart. But you've narrowed up your heart where I'm concerned, and you haven't given me much place. And he said, don't do that. How many don't understand? He's their father in the faith. Don't do that. He said, be enlarged. Now, this was not just for Paul's sake. This is for the plan of God's sake. Because God intended to show them things through Paul. But what he'd be able to show them is going to be limited to the place they have given Paul in their heart. Or are y'all listening to me now? Do you see this? We taught on ministry gifts and pastoring and submission and authority and some of these things a few months ago. And during that time, the Lord spoke to me. I don't mean to heard an audible voice, but while I was studying and preparing, he said, so many of my people are not getting the full benefit out of the ministry gifts I've given them. They're not getting a fraction of what they should be getting out of these ministry gifts because they're not giving them place. They haven't given them the place in their lives that I intended that they should. Everybody do this. Can you see we're getting into this a little bit now? Well, what does that mean, brother? Well, you're going to have to chew on it a little bit. But it has to do with giving place to not humans, not flesh, what God has done. When God brings somebody into your life, particularly somebody that's over you, somebody that's been your father in the faith, a teacher in the faith, your pastor, you need to give them a place. And let God show you everything he intended through them. Somebody says, ain't that dangerous? I mean, give somebody too much place, they can hurt you. Look at this, and you'll see how to distinguish who you should give place to and who you should not. Galatians 4. Galatians 4. Somebody say, be enlarged. Be enlarged. In your insides. I eventually saw the Lord wanted us to get an airplane for the ministry. Took me years of mind renewal. I didn't come from wealth. I didn't know the front of an airplane from the back. I didn't know anything about it at all. Nothing. And it just was completely foreign to me. And I realized if I'm going to get this, I got to get it in my spirit first. I got to see it first. And I tried to get it in there and the tail was too high. It wouldn't fit in there. And the wings were too wide. I'd try to edge it in there and it wouldn't go in there. Why? My insides were not big enough. Is it that God couldn't do it? God could do it easily. In the morning before breakfast without making a phone call. <laughs> How many know God can do it? But that's not the issue. What is the challenge? Getting it in you. And so we worked on it, and we worked on it. And like I said, Brother Copeland was such a help to me in that area. And I kept on trying to see it and trying to see it. And there's the takeoff, and, and there, and I look back in the back, and, no, that ain't Phyllis, that's Miss Gloria. <laughs> Brother Kenneth, and it took us years, but eventually, eventually, somebody say eventually. If what had happened, we had opened up. Come on now, opened up till I got the tail and both wings. And the propeller. It was a little one. Just a little one. But it's an airplane, right? <laughs> little single engine prop. And we got it all in there. And I could hear it start up. And I looked up. And there I was. That was me. It was me. In the seat. 
me in the seat. Push your power up. Look back. Go, hey, Phil. Woo. There you are. <laughs> Let's go somewhere. All right. Here we go. Let's go preach the gospel. And I could see it. And within the year. After I could see it, within the year, one was sitting in the hangar paid for. And within another year and a half, there was a jet five times as big sitting in the hangar paid for. Somebody gave it to us. Somebody said, I wish they'd give it to me. No. You might not even need one. But there is something you need. There's something that's big and seems impossible that God wants you to have. Come on, are y'all with me now? Something that is huge and it just seems unreachable. It seems impossible for you to do it, for you to have it. What's got to happen to make the transition from here to there? you got to see it. You got to see it. And what's one of the big ways that God's going to help you to see it? He's going to hook you up with people. People that God is doing it through already. They're already doing it in different levels. And through the fellowship, then it's not theory. You're not reading the book, you're there looking at it. They're doing it. This is not theory. And it begins to get more and more real to you and more closer to you. Until eventually you close your eyes and it ain't them doing it. It's you doing it. It's you doing it. Can you say glory to God? Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Stand up on your feet. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.